0: hello everyone and welcome to this fifth episode of money talks for 2023 my name is oliver smith managing editor and head of content at altfi money talks is altfi's monthly industry discussion of the biggest trends and topics in fintech with some of the biggest names in the industry now this month we're going to be delving into where crypto goes next with two special guests But just a heads up, our next episode is going to be in June, and that's one where my colleague Daniel Lanyon will be fresh back from Amsterdam to tell us all about what was happening on the ground at Money 2020. You can register for that episode right now um, on Bright Talk. Uh, You can pre-register. There's a link just below your screen in the attachments. Um, Or if you subscribe to Money Talks as a podcast, uh, that episode will be delivered straight to your smartphone as soon as it's released. Now, as I said, I'm delighted to be joined by two special guests today who are going to help us unpack where crypto goes next. So let me bring them back on stage to introduce them. Um, Let me first welcome Mauricio Magaldi, who's the Global Strategy Director of 11FS. Welcome, Mauricio. Where are you joining us from today?
1: I'm at the office. Thanks for having me. I'm at our office in Finsbury Avenue. Uh, Glad to be here. Uh, Looking forward to the talk. Thank you so much.
0: Great to have you here. Um, Let me also welcome Amelie Aris, who's the Marketing Director at Zumo. Um, Welcome, Amelie. Where are you joining us from today?
2: Thanks, Oliver, for having me. I'm joining from London, from home, because uh, our offices are in Edinburgh. Um, Decentralised workforce to start on the crypto.
0: (laughs) Very good. Very good. Um, Now, just for our audience, before we get started, as you know, we love to hear your questions. So, if, you have, if you're listening live and if you have any questions for Mauricio or Ali, make sure to file them just below this screen in the questions box and we will tackle them at the end. Okay, let's get started. Um, so to kick things off, I, I want to hear from each of you whether you think we're at the end of what's been dubbed the crypto winter, this period of various scandals and price pressures that has, has, has cast a bit of a shadow over the industry. Um, Mauricio, first of all, is, is, are we at the end is the end in sight? I usually don't
1: comment on prices and, and usually is the developer activity that kind of you know I used to gauge. Uh, I heard this expression the other day the beaver market instead of the bull market or the bear market at the beaver market because beavers build during the winter. So I, I, I just thought this was hilarious and I've been using this ever since. And I think that from the reports I've seen on um, developer activity and the amount of projects that continue and the special projects that continue to be funded, I think we can say that there's continued, you know, this is a continuation of the beaver market. And um, irrespective of the prices of the digital assets, we're seeing a lot of activity and a lot of innovation still pouring into the ecosystem. Uh, it's not um, that um, inflow of VC money we we saw in previous years uh, that were uh, very beneficial for innovation in the ecosystem. But for the projects that are really uh, are bringing in that edge, we're seeing uh, that money come in as well. So I, I I'm, I'm bullish on the development that's going on. And if we want to say that it's Still crypto winter, yes, but maybe we're warming up to a season of, of higher prices. We saw an uptick on Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, last week and c- continues uh, this week. Even with the introduction of Shippella, uh Ether didn't really uh, roll back as uh, initially anticipated, which in market languages, this was already priced in maybe into the asset. Uh, but still, uh, interesting to see that proof of stake as a concept and in, and in practice is working as designed. So yeah, I think it, it makes me bullish. But again, uh, builders going to build.
0: Absolutely, especially in a in a beaver market. Um, fantastic. Thank you, Mauricio. Emily, um, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Again, Zumo um, maybe has a little bit more exposure on the pricing end of things. Is the end in sight?
2: Um. Well. I hope so. I'm very similar in terms of uh, my view um, uh, that Mauricio has is that, to me, like, so we are, uh, so Zumo, we've got, like, the two sides of the business, Uh, we're focusing now primarily on the B2B side. Um, And on the B2B side, I can just tell you that it just echoes what Mauricio is saying in terms of, like, the beaver market. Is building, building, building. Um, and we see a lot of our enterprise clients who actually want to build on that winter so that they are ready for the next phase. So this is, to, uh, to me, an indication that we're pushing from now what in the last, in during the COVID time was purely like retail, getting like extremely bullish on this to now like maturing, maturing, um and getting into like the institution that are going to uh build and provide like the next phase for um for the industry
0: interesting and i guess amelie give us a little bit more color i guess of what what you've seen over the last 18 months and in particular those b2b projects what are what are people turning to to zumo for for help with
2: So uh, our mission is to provide a better planet for digital assets. So delivering sustainable, accessible, and secure way to unlock the benefit of digital assets and Web3. Um, So the last 18 months we've seen in the space, trust being broken. And that is with the like of like Celsius first. And then we thought it was finished that we were gonna like move on. And then we saw FTX, the trust is very low, there is, there is a crisis of trust here really. And um, where Zumo comes in is that we are a digital asset as a service platform helping the banks and the FinTech to effortlessly embed digital assets engineered with a focus on sustainability and trust. And these are two components that, need, that right now the industry need to be able like to to build Um, so the first one on the trust is that we're looking we're seeing that the fintech and the banks they they see clearly that the um the future is on digital assets and that can take such different form it can be an investment but it can be like improving like payments rail it can be Um, uh, because like now we're seeing also like the demand from, uh, brands who are going into, into web three. So they see that they have to be, to be there, Mm -hmm. but the way that they are doing it, like they're looking at like providers that are building sustainably, sustainably and taking into consideration like regulation and, and compliance. So like. Crypto is going to go under the same regime as um, any an, any other like financial product, um, and this is for all the providers that for all the the, the tech uh, companies who have been building from the get-go on compliance. Then they are in, in, in they are in a good position, but unfortunately, I th- I think anyway that crypto in in its in crypto companies at the beginning were very much like no we don't need any regulation we are the anti-establishment we all of that and that's not the approach and now you actually see quite a lot like this technology provider that are kind of like going back and being like right now we need to go back on the compliance but look fca is like you've got like two years to be on the registers you're more like we build up from from the get-go so that means that everything like registration with the fca like we're already a lot further ahead on Mm. on the journey that that some will need to catch up basically yeah
0: yeah well uh, just two things there i mean the the crisis of trust which is we're we're absolutely gonna gonna talk about that in more detail and and the regulation point um Mm -hmm. Later, later in the episode. Thank you, Emily. Um, Mauricio, the same on your side for 11FS. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're offering to the market and also what the last 18 months have looked like for you.
1: Cool. Yeah, we're, we're a venture builder, right? We build fintechs. That's what we've been known for. I joined the company over a year ago to help build the crypto practice and, and build uh, stuff for our clients. Uh, we, we started a strategy. Uh, that's why we lead with strategy because we can't Think of crypto as a technology that you bring into your business without having, you know, a place in your strategy. So we kick off with that. And and that's kind of a staple in our approach. Um, In the last 18 months, we did uh, a good number of projects, uh, strategy projects uh, for clients trying to understand where to play, how to win, and how to pace themselves towards that position. Um, We also consult for uh, regulators, again, uh, helping them understand what's in there for them. So if you think about blockchains as a data infrastructure that they can leverage as regulators, is a massive benefit. So uh, we're starting to see some of uh, uh, global regulators coming into that realization that hmm, this could be really good for me, right? If, if uh, supervisory tech evolves in that direction, then on-chain supervision becomes something that just regulators are going to have to do. So i think that these are the couple of things that uh, have been kind of highlights for us in the last 18 months Um, i will echo uh, emily in the sense that the wider crypto industry is going through uh, i say growing pains right Um, we move a hundred times faster than traditional finance Uh, so we're learning from stuff that's happened in traditional finance hundreds of years ago And now we're going through that, and that creates the possibility for, uh, you know, washing out the bad actors, creating mechanisms that help us be a healthier industry. And I think that because we are using public blockchains, we have the data to back it up, right? So uh, let's make use of the decentralized paradigm that we are now uh, trying to bring to the world and you know play it better play into the favor not only of the builders but also the consumers and the companies that are trying to break into the space um, because as we were saying you know in and, and the green room before we joined we're not going to turn you know eight billion people into the gens right there's going to be all sorts of diversity across the board and if we want to be inclusive as is the ethos of web3 then we need to cater to those individuals and companies as well. So it's, a, it's kind of a balanced approach, uh, I'd say. Uh, we're not trying to break anything, but the things that don't work need to go, uh, both in traditional finance and in crypto as well. So we need to do better in both ends of the spectrum.
0: Mm, interesting. And, and like when you talk about that, that shift that needs to happen, are attitudes, you know, have you seen attitudes changing since your time at 11FS? Like the conversations you were having 12 months ago versus the conversations today are general attitudes both from the institutions and across the board you know are they coming up to speed with this
1: i think you know early late 21 and early 22 um there was a lot of questioning whether you know still like do i see this as just as an asset class Mm. or do i see this as a de facto technology i can leverage from the conversations i'm having in the projects we're, we're helping with um Every major company is experimenting in some shape or form. Like right? yeah. uh, the headlines prove that, uh, and that is also true for some of the regulators and jurisdictions that are more progressive. Right? Um, there, there's a, a recurring example on, on my conversations, which is the uh, manage, uh, Monetary Authority of Singapore, that is partnering with uh, very uh, progressive projects like Aave to do FX and bond exchange. You know, in in, in a DeFi regulated DeFi environment, which is, to me, one of the promises of crypto is to become that autonomous bank um, in, 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 in a sense. So we're seeing a lot of those experiments uh, move forward and evolving into something that can be both decentralized and somewhat uh, regulated and then have the benefit of both. So, again, it's cheap to build with the prices where the prices are. If you're going to enter this and actually build something that is significant to your business, you might as well benefit from the current price of the technology. Because one way of seeing prices of digital assets, especially for the programmable blockchains, is that we're pricing technology in real time. And it's mm-hmm. the first time in the history of technology we have that access. If you go to an enterprise vendor, they're going to charge what they want. With public blockchains, you know it's going to fluctuate, but you're paying market prices that everyone Uh, practices so it's kind of a you know a better balance in that sense so it's it's interesting to see that there is still uh projects uh and in the particular regulate uh regulators that are enabling those projects like brazil has the digital real uh sandbox going on so there's a lot going on and in the institutional slash regulated environment and it's just great to see that the learnings are being applied you know uh, as fast as possible by by some of these regulators, so it's interesting interesting progress, nonetheless.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, Emily, just on your side with the with the clients that that Zoom is working with, do you agree with Mauricio's comments that you know over the last eighteen months attitudes are heading in the right direction? People are becoming you know warmer to to this technology. What what are you seeing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I just echo what what he has just said. I think um, yeah. so. What we what we're seeing is. A lot of them are coming from all different direction, on and they want to experiment. They've got different, different needs. So, like I was saying earlier, like some are on the payment, some are on the investment, some are, um, uh, some are purely on like looking at even like the, going like really far in the future because they've got retail customers who want. Who are already already moving extremely fast on um, connecting with Web three, offering NFTs and all of that. So, um, so yeah, a wide range of um, of use case. What is very encouraging, I think, in the last in in the last eighteen months, is that now you also see a lot of these announcements. Mauricio was just talking about like so you see that in the in the narrative. But if you look at was it like a couple of days? MasterCard has announced um, their NFT, uh, NFT platform for artists, holding already like lot of, of artists. This is really, you know, like you see, like it's there. It, it, it's there. Uh, I, I can anticipate a little bit that it's going to be a race uh, going going further, a race that's faced because obviously companies are looking to do it compliantly. And want to like consider all the impact. Um, so, uh, sustain sustainability in terms of like like their responsibility to the climate and uh, net zero aligning with the net zero strategy, uh, aligning also with well the com- the compliance side, um, and also like really looking. Uh, I guess on like the the opportunities for them from a commercial perspective as well. Um, so yeah, it is it it will be moving quite fast, I think, um, going up. But what we've seen in the last 18 months, sorry to go back on this, is, is I think, and, and it's going back on, on, on the trust crisis, is we've seen it, a bit of a, like, going, 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 up, taking step back, and then starting, and then starting mm. again. This, mm. this has been like the feeling in the last, um, especially since FTX, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about I, I guess that crisis of trust. And and you know this year, crypto has not been short of of scandals. There's you know at one point it felt like it was one after another, and in fact you know they were all very much interlinked um, in a way. Are you know, Mauricio, from from your view, are are there more scandals behind us now than ahead? Are we are we over this this kind of phase? Um, and and how should people think about this crisis of trust, you know, especially when there have been these large players um, falling recently?
1: Yeah, I think the way to think about this is uh, we're, we're so early in this industry that most of us that are dealing with crypto are pretty much touching the blockchain, right? Mm. Um, it's the infrastructure, we're touching the infrastructure, like it's early days of the internet in, in comparison, right? Um, so maybe think of your self-custodial wallet as your dial-up modem. I I don't know. You know, it's something like this. But the fact that we're having this kind of cleanup on the industry that has been not only coming in larger volumes, but also coming because there is the on-chain transparency, is very significant. Because if we can clean the industry this early and establish ways of working and, and, and ethical standards to participate in the industry in ways that are increasingly better with the same speed that the, the scandals are happening, that means we're getting better faster. And that is important. And that fosters innovation and that builds trust for the next, if you want to call it, bull run. But my concern is more of mainstream adoption, right? when is this an infrastructure that everyone understands and nobody else cares about it anymore? Because when technology works, it just fades into the background. Um, and I can't wait. I've been doing this since, professionally since 2017. I can't wait for a day where we'll not talk about blockchains or it's just the way we do things, right? It's the way we own things. Is the way we deal with money. Is the way we deal with property. So I think, If we accelerate uh, the industry and the cleanup, we get better faster, we get more mass adoption faster, and we can just start to talk about the benefits of censorship-resistant digital ownership that's global digital 24-7 permissionless, creating new business models and enabling people that didn't have access to mainstream services to now have it. So I know it sounds... Um, drastically positive uh, in a way, but I don't think we're past a uh, further crisis. I think we will see because greed is there, right? We're financializing data in ways we haven't uh, yet. Uh, so it creates a lot of greed and I want to get rich faster now that this is available, but we'll strike balance, um, not only because we need to, but because it's best if we do. And we'll, we'll, I think we'll get there. So um, can I, you know, forecast the number of scandals? That was? I, I don't think anyone can. But I think we'll be able to deal with that increasingly more um, professionally and adult-like. Hmm. And then that becomes the way we do things. And uh, and then, again, leverage the infrastructure, right? I think that's uh, that exists for a reason. And uh, we should be getting really really good at that as well so yeah it's i know it's it sounds like hopeful but if i can have you know just a little finger on it kind of helping push that in terms of you know how we do projects and the clients we work with um yeah i think there's uh that is a feasible attainment in 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 the next uh maybe next 18 24 months Hmm,
0: interesting interesting yeah i mean it's great it's a great point and i think it you know, we should remind people that a lot of the financial rules and regulations that we take for granted today were created because of scandals and various things that happened a, a long time ago in the past. And and crypto is going through that same yep. uh, process, just accelerated, and because of the yeah. the speed yeah. at which technology happens happen. now. Yeah, super interesting. Yeah. All, um, all,
1: all learnings, all learnings are valid. Um, it's what we do with them that really matters. That really, you mm. know, moves the needle and. Um, banning something that's permissionless, global, digital, borderless, isn't the answer.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Emily, from your side, obviously Zuma has a bit more exposure to the to the retail investor side of things. Um, when you look at these scandals, and, and when you when you sort of consider your customers, um, you know, do you think we are past this sort of scandal phase? Is there more ahead? Of, and, and how have your customers been responding? to the news the various you know bits of news that have come out
2: well the first thing i'd say is like i hope so like <laughs> that we we've we've gone through the, the worst <laughs> like mistake mistake like we'll be like continuing along the way but i hope that um we continue like learning about them and i think that anyway like now like you i mean like we're in the spotlight as an industry and like the companies building in that space so like Inevitably, we have to bring a lot more governance on, like what everyone is doing, because I think that quite a lot has been due to bad poorly managed and the governments uh, on 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 the um, Celsius and FTX, for example. Uh, for us at Zumo, so like really, like this crisis has trust of trust has been was split in two direction. One behavior. We had the, the the retail customers who were like I need a more trusted provider, and these are the customers who realized that they were going to to uh, companies so Celsius and uh, NFTX, and, and giving the custody of their digital assets to some to to companies that were not regulated or were not like uh, following any standard, and I think there there is like. Okay, if I'm prepared to leave my asset with a custodian, I might as well go to a custodian that I trust, and I might go to my bank. And this is reflected in a 2022 um, uh, enterprise landscape report by Ripple Repo that said that the majority, I think it was like a, over 60% of people that answered said that they would use their bank to access digital assets. So that's one that's that's one part and that i think we on the enterprise side we see that as a very positive because this is what we are um we are offering the bank like the Zumo app is um regulated uh, well, rec- sorry registered with the a, with the a, uh, uh, with the fca as a crypto asset business and we are like because we've gone through all of the learning we're able like to and provide that expertise to the bank on, like, how to roll out these these assets and and how to do it in terms of like the education, aligning with net zero strategies, and on the infrastructure side, and also like on the narrative as well, because some of, the, of these banks might have said um, before that they would never touch crypto and crypto was bad. So like now there is a kind of like, okay, like if we are going to offer it, how do we do? How do we do that? Um, and then the second direction is an interesting, an interesting one. Is like, I need to self custody my assets. Mm-hmm. This is like the, the, the second view, and um, we can see that in terms of customers that have been leaving um, exchange to go into like personal personal wallets. Um, so here, like at move for example, like we see that. Because, like in, in the UK, very sadly, there's been some, some crypto business that have gone into difficulties and they had to shut down their operation. For us, what it meant is that we've seen an increase of people like coming to us because we offer on the on the Zumo app the boss of both boss world. We've got, we were primarily a non custodial wallet. So they're coming like to have. To self custody the assets, but we've also got the trade wallet, and you can like switch very seamlessly between between the two, so you can get the, the best of both worlds. Um, but then, so so that's on the trust. But otherwise, like, in terms of like the, the cost of living crisis, inevitably, like and I think this is what impacted like some of the UK businesses, is like the retail market is investing less. Although we've seen like people on, on our side, we've seen people accumulating throughout
0: hmm.
2: activities down. There is no, no doubt.
0: Interesting. I, I, I really like the point you're making about, you know, consumers and, and retail investors, if, if their own bank offered it. it and then what that implies to me is there's a point of trust that if we reach that, then then adoption just sort of dramatically accelerates um, because banks have that trust. Um the crypto industry just needs to to do a better job at capturing more of it because once it does, then then you know mainstream adoption suddenly happens. Um, just before we move on, a quick reminder for our audience: um, we'd love to hear your questions. I can see three of them have come through already. If you have a question, now is a good time to file it because we will get to it before we get to the end of the show. Um, okay, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump a little bit because I do want to talk about regulation and I guess political attitudes. We've just had. Um, Innovate Finance Global Summit. It's part of UK FinTech Week in the UK, and we had government ministers on stage talking positively about crypto. Um, in the UK, you know, it's, it's felt like we've had quite a bullish political attitude um, for a little while now, although obviously the crypto winter and the various scandals have, have forced maybe a slight cooling there. Um, Mauricio, I'd love to hear from you, first of all, you know, how, how do you see the political attitude towards crypto at the moment? Has it cooled or is it is it recovering?
1: I think there's two examples in practice other than, I mean, if you put politicians on the stage, they'll talk, right, um, if, if they have the spotlight. So I think we need to look into the more practical side of things. And there's two bills uh, going through uh, the process in in the parliament Um right now. One is the electronic trade documents bill, which enables international trading to use digital assets for some some of the documents that are uh, uh, bearing documents, like bill of lading. So I think that is a massive enabler, especially because UK law is used uh, for around 80% of the trade finance contracts in the world. So that is a massive unlock for the whole industry. And we've, uh, through the Whitechapel think tank, uh, have written about it and have partnered with uh, Lord Holmes of Richmond, who's championing that bill. Then we have the uh, FSMB, Financial Services and Markets Bill, which is also moving through the parliament, which gives us more of a framework that will address some of the not yet clear points towards digital assets, right? So, that alone are two very good indicators in the UK that the whole spiel of becoming a crypto hub of sorts and being globally competitive and repeating the success the UK had with fintechs in the world of digital assets is not just a discourse, but there is an activity going on, which is very similar to progressive jurisdictions we're seeing towards digital assets. So my theory uh, is that once a major jurisdiction actually nails that kind of regulatory framework or legislatory framework between fostering innovation and protecting companies and consumers, then we're going to attract investment, we're going to attract talent, we're going to attract entrepreneurs, we're going to attract innovation. And then obviously that brings a lot more innovation and prosperity to that jurisdiction. And it creates a global uh, differentiating factor, uh, you know, you know, around the global economy. Right. And mm. um, So I think that is kind of promising. Uh, We're seeing different countries tackle the problem differently, which at this stage creates what regulators call regulatory arbitrage. So if I'm not welcome here and there's a little bit more kind of nuance in the other jurisdiction, then I'm going to move my business there. Again, the infrastructure is global, digital, 24-7, borderless, permissionless. Just move and build a business there and use the same infrastructure without you know changing that you know uh, underlying cost it's easier to do now so how does the regulated world come into play to even that out and avoid regulatory arbitrage which is risky for everyone involved uh is to sound uh collaboration with the industry right uh the fca did crypto sprints i think last year to get the the the, the industry in the same room um The the UK does a lot of consultations with the market. Uh, There's one now going on for NFTs and another one for uh, the digital pound. These are all important. This is dialogue that we need to have. And not every jurisdiction is framed the same. It does help the UK uh, using the concept of uh, regulation, uh, regulation by principle. While other jurisdictions are applying the, the so-called regulation by enforcement, which is not regulation per se, but it's how we uh, come to know this. So there will be differences. Uh, if if you if you force me, I would say this is the the neo geopolitical battleground uh, of sorts, because this defines the future of how the GDP is going to be structured in the last, I don't know. 10, 20, 30 years uh, on the mm-hmm. basis of the digital economy. So uh, it is important. And um, I'm just glad that I had the chance to, you know, come to the UK and see this and, and be able to actually participate uh, both, you know, accompany what's going on in terms of the legislature, but also uh, in the private sector. And it's, uh, it's really different. And whoever comes out on top is going to attract a ton of talent.
0: Mm. And I've got to ask you, because you, you've got such great understanding of of those different markets and the shifting, when you say who comes on top, obviously, I, I'm, I'm assuming the UK obviously is not the most progressive jurisdiction, but do you have a rough sense of, of, of how we're doing, how we stack up against others? Are we in the, you know, the top five, the top 10? I, I think um, the top three
1: um, jurisdictions that are engaging the industry right now and, pointing away towards that balance between adoption and control uh, is Singapore, the UK, and Brazil. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a lot of conversation. There is a lot of experimentation with the support of the regulator, be it in a sandbox, be it on a specific project. Um, I had the chance to uh, watch uh, Soprindo Mohanty, chief fintech officer from uh, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, yesterday talk about the projects, and he's listing projects nonstop, like Project A, B, C, D, whatever, like this, all the alphabet are is, is being covered by the, by the mass in, in some capacity in, in digital finance. Um, and, and yes, I understand that Singapore is, is, is a smaller country, but you have in Brazil with the Lyft Challenge doing amazing things with the, the Digital Real and um, the CVM doing tokenization sandboxes. So there is an actual uh, interest for some of these regulators in particular countries to engage the industry and create the conditions for innovation to happen. Um, And again, I think that's, you know, the byproduct of that is once these things are cleared and the frameworks there uh, respecting uh, not only, again, control and innovation, but also understanding what this decentralized paradigm means, to centralize regulators, because these are uh, completely different mindsets, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, innovation actually settling in and creating that bigger impact that uh, Amelie was mentioning.
0: Mm. And Amelie, as a, a, you know, a participant in this space, in terms of Zumo, like, what's your what's your view on on the political attitudes and the regulations? And would you agree with Mauricio that, you know, the UK is in the top three, maybe not the top but the top three um jurisdictions when it comes to engaging and, and embracing the community and the challenges and, and working through them
2: um i wouldn't comment because i don't I, it's not quite my my space on like which jurisdiction is the best from i guess it depends who you ask i think like for us having participated in the crypto sprint and being registered I'd say yes, the UK is a great place to be. But then, for people now coming in, I don't know. Um, like I, so uh, having attending um, the Innovate Finance Global Summit in the last two days, I can say that it is extremely bullish. Because, mm-hmm. and I was very encouraged by um, some of the announcement that we heard from the FCA. Like they, um, it was like. Um, Jessica Rusu, Chief Data um, Information and Intelligence officer at the FCA, um, launched two initiatives there. The first one is a digital sandbox like as a suite of like tools for, um, for companies to uh, to have access to, to to be able like to innovate like in, in the UK. And then the second one is like a, a direct line to the FCA for companies who have any question like to build. So that really shows the, the willingness from the FCA to um, to come and explore innovation. And I was just saying that to you, just like before uh, on the call, but we, I've also met some people from the FCA um, at the conference, which were incredibly passionate about innovation. And to me, like seeing their, their energy and, and their passion for innovation, and using that passion to actually look at a regulatory framework that suits innovation and move move the needle in the right in the right direction, is very very encouraging for us. Hmm. Um, so that's to me that was that was really good. The, the second thing is like the CEO of Coinbase, um, like yes, he called out for like more clarity on the UK and inevitably the US. But, like, he's considering the, the, the UK um, uh, as his next, uh, next place. And, and he actually credited also, like, the UK for being fast moving. So, it is very, uh, very interesting. The other yes. thing that is, um, that is indicating that the UK is um, really willing and want to move fast is the amount of consultation that they that they are. They're really consulting like the industry, and like you've got like bodies, incredible bodies like uh, Crypto UK, um, GBBC, uh, the APPG. Um, all of these are all, like working, consulting, regulator, consulting regulators, consulting like APPG, like doing like amount of like lobbying, putting us like in front of like in in the government. Um, that is, that is incredible. I mean, like my, I've got an incredible that uh, I'm working for, like Daniel um, on research and fully and he's const- constantly busy with that. So that really shows that we're moving into the right direction.
0: Mm, mm. fantastic um we we are coming to rapidly towards the end and i want to make sure we answer some some audience questions before we get there um and i've got two questions i'm going to pick out um, and they both address different topics that we have not spoken about today the first one uh dan Fahini from Vini fintech um has asked uh, about ftx but specifically what is the future of stable coins and their supposed stability um i uh, yeah, a big, big question. Um, we've only got five minutes left, but um, Mauricio, I wonder if, if you could weigh in on this one.
1: Uh,
0: I think we're going to see
1: uh, regulations coming out to determine what uh, stable coins uh, need to look like. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. If you get uh, one of the largest stable coins is USDC from Circle and Circle is, I mean, Dante, who's the policy, uh, head, a policy and strategy is constantly in D.C., is constantly engaging with regulators. And I think that is a good indication. Um, I think we learned that using uh, what my friend Luca Prosperi calls endogenous collateral, meaning collateral that has the same behavior as the stablecoin you're trying to stabilize, is a recipe for disaster. Um, but we still have to figure out the specific taxonomy and you know the dynamics of a stablecoin. Uh, it will be maybe converted into what uh, some of the regulators are calling the tokenized deposits, uh, maybe backed by um, wholesale CBDCs. So, yeah, we'll, we'll still see stable coins and they're going to uh, be reshaped by some of those experiments. And, and as we learn more, we're going to have better constructs, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, we just need to get those rules and regulations firmed up to to work on the on the confidence and trust um george uh, voris from through has asked about central bank digital currencies um and he said the us as well as european countries seem to be moving towards these digital currencies um how how do you think this will affect crypto um amelie what are your thoughts how, how will central bank digital currencies impact the crypto industry
2: i think it will be it will be a good thing. It might be controversial, but I think it would be a good thing because they are essentially just, it's, it will just become like that point that Mauricio mentioned earlier. It is part of, like we, we just adopted the technology and it's part of everyday life. We, do, we, just, we just don't care. And to me, like this is what like central, um, uh, CBDCs are is we're using the technology. Uh, we can kind of question the, the decentralization, but it is it progress into having then that money that works for for like a, a digital um, a digital world.
0: So so very much a net positive mercio, do you agree?
1: Yeah. Um, I, we, we could do another one just on uh, CBDCs and stable points. I'll be a little bit more controversial. I'm very hopeful that we nail the wholesale um, CBDC because I think that's going to be amazing efficiency for the financial services as a whole. And I hope we ditch retail CBDCs. I don't think we need that degree of penetration in our daily lives from, uh, albeit a decentralized infrastructure, but a centralized entity peeking into that. So I, I'm, I'm much more a fan of the hybrid Uh, architecture between having public wholesale CBDCs and banking issued uh, CBDCs backed stable coins. I think that'll be a better arrangement for individual liberties and sistership resistance that currently only cash can do.
0: Interesting. Gosh, yeah, you're quite right. We could definitely have another um, conversation about this. We we should probably do a round two, maybe in six months time. We'll see how everything's changed. Um, Yeah. That, that is all we have time for. Um, it does wrap up the discussion today. So it just leads me to say, um, firstly, a very big thank you to you in our audience um, for joining us today. For your questions, there were, there were four other questions we didn't even manage to get to. Thank you for submitting the ones you did. Um, and of course, thank you, Mauricio. Thank you, Emily, um, for being part of the discussion on Money Talks this month. Um, As I said at the start of the episode, we're going to be back on the 15th of June, where my colleague Daniel uh, will be discussing his takeaways from Money 2020. That's our next episode of Money Talks. Um, And for those of you joining us next week at AltFi's Festival of Finance in central London, I look forward to seeing you there. I know Mauricio and Amelie are both going to be coming along. um, But until then, until the next time, have a great day and we'll see you then. Goodbye.